Okay, good morning. Today's daf is daf Lamed Beis, the last daf of uh, Maseches Megillah. And today's shoes Le'ilu Nishma Shlomo ben Aaron and Vili ben Vili. Um, Shoshana Bas Reb Yosef and Ezreal ben David. May his uh, nasham, may their Nashamas have an aliyah. May their memory be a blessing. Today's shoes also for a full shleima of um, Yitzchak Miriam. Ben Yitzchak Yehuda Ben Yitzchak Yehuda Ben Miriam, and um, so one. I've got one more name. Sorry, one sec. Chayka Bas Boba Mechla. Okay, so I think let's go from the eighth last line of Labad Aleph Amud Beis. I think that's you got up to around there. So the Brisa brings Tanya Rabbi Shimon. Just an interesting story. Tanya Rabbi Shimon Ben Elaza Omer Rabbi Shimon Ben Elaza says, "Im Yomer Lachazakenim Sasser V'Yelatim Bana." If the elderly tell you to destroy, or yeah, and the youngsters tell you to build, Sasser Val Tivne, rather destroy it than build it. Mivnei Tira Zakenim Binyan, because the this demolishing of the Canaan is building, and the building of youth is often destructive. So that's an amazing line. It's saying that obviously that vast experience that elderly people have it often far outweighs to outweighs um, that vast of youngsters. And I think, and and to the degree that even if they say something that seems destructive. It's they've thought it out and it's actually for the good. It's actually constructive. Vesiman, um, it's a very hard what lard to swallow being in education, because like some things they like they always modify and they say no this approach doesn't work and we've got to try this new approach and uh, that uh, um, they'll often bring uh, the uh, classics. School system is built on the on concepts from the industrial revolution, so we have to modernize. It's always hard when to know uh, to take that advice because it comes with experience and a well thought out idea from someone who's elderly, more experienced and wiser. And when to realize that uh, some things we do see people have come up with great understanding of emotional development, great understanding of uh, of how a kid. Um, youngsters and uh, think etc. So when how to balance those? But I guess in in as a general principle, this is a good line. And then he says the simon and the simon the symbol of this concept is Rachavah Men Shlomo. What? Who was Rachavah Men Shlomo? So this is the famous Shlomo Melech's son. Shlomo Melech during his reign had extremely high taxes, and uh, um, extremely high taxes. And uh, it, it was, I think the people tolerated because their king was Shlomo Melech, the great Shlomo Melech. When he passed away, so his son consulted, I don't remember if he consulted or, or some elderly advisors came with advice and said, lower the taxes, lower the taxes. And Rehoboam asked his friends, and they were like, what are you talking about? How are you going to get money? How are you going to be super wealthy? How are you, if you're not, uh, how your treasure houses will uh, empty if you're not collecting these huge exorbitant um, taxes, and uh, in the end, um, he followed his friends' advice, the youngsters' advice. They kept the taxes very high, and it triggered the revolt. And that's when uh, Yerovam ben Avad came in as king, and it split the kingdom. There was civil war, and it split the kingdom between the kingdom of Yehuda and the kingdom of uh, Yisrael. So, 
that uh, he, he followed the advice of his youngsters. Again, on the surface, it made sense. He wants to stay wealthy. They've been living with high taxes for very long, so why not keep the taxes? And he came... Um, um, and uh, it actually caused huge destruction. Okay, next point um, to do with the laning, which is the general topic. Where you end off the laning on Shabbos morning, that's where you start laning from at Mincha. Where you end off your laning at Mincha on Shabbos, that's where you start on Monday. Where you end off the laning on Monday, that's where you begin on Thursday. And where you end off on Thursday, that's where you start the Shabbos on the following Shabbos. That's Rabbi Meir's opinion. So just to put it in a more visual way is, let's basically at Shabbos Mincha you're laning Rishon, on Monday you're laning Shani, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, Thursday you're laning um, Shlishi, and then on Shabbos you're starting from Ravi till the end of the Parsha. And then again on Shabbos afternoon you'll start again with the Rishon of the next Parsha. Rabbi Yehuda, I mean Rabbi Yehuda says, Mokam Shemavsiki B'Shabbos Shachris. Now where you stop on Shabbos morning, Shom Karin B'Mincha B'Shani V'Chamishu L'Shabbos Hapo. You start from that same place where you ended off on Shabbos morning. You start on Monday, Thursday and the following week. The following Shabbos. Omer Rabbi Zaira Halacha Mokam Shemavsiki B'Shabbos Shachris. Shom Karin B'Mincha V'Shani V'Chamishu L'Shabbos Hapo. Rabbi Zaira says that's the halacha where you stop on Shabbos morning. That's the same place you start on Monday, Thursday, and the following week. So basically, and this is how we do it. Um, why does he bother telling us what the halacha is? Why not just tell us the halacha is like Rabbi Yehuda? Because there were people who had the opinion switched around. So if I tell you the halacha is like Rabbi Yehuda, you wouldn't know because some people say this is Rabbi Yehuda's opinion and some people say this is actually Rabbi Zameh's opinion. But again, this is what we do. We lay on Shabbos at Mincha, we lay in Rishon of the next week. On Monday and Thursday, we also lay in Rishon of the next week. And on Shabbos, we lay in also, again, starting from that same point. Okay. Now the Gemara describes what to do when you called up to the Torah. Now, interesting, I'll just fill in on a halacha, that, an interesting halacha that's brought, is that you take, when you're walking up to the bimmer, you take the closest, quickest route. So instead of circling the shul, going between your friends, you walk directly as you can to the bimmer, where you're going to say the Torah. And that's, again, um, I guess it's, uh, it's reason to do the mitzvah, it's kovar uh, tzibur, that you're not keeping them waiting while you wander through the shul, but that's the, that's the way to get up to the bimmer. Now it says, Torah upon you open the Torah, you look at where you, the laning is going to be, you roll it back up, and then you say the bracha. As we know, you say the bracha before your aliyah. And then you... Um, You, you open it again, and you start reading the Kriya Satora. Divrei Rebbe Meir, that's Rebbe Meir's opinion. So again, you close the Sefer Torah, you look where you're going to lane from, you close the Sefer Torah, say the bracha, open the Sefer Torah, and do the laning. 
we're going to see Reb Yehuda, I mean Reb Yehuda says, no, Pasach v'roi mavarek v'kore. You open it, you look where you're going to do the laning, you see, you say the bracha, you don't close it again, and then you do the laning. So you open it, look where you're going to lane from, say the bracha, and then read. You don't have to do the closing before. And this is, um, you know, just before we go further, why do you look where you're going to read from before? So there seem to be two rounds. One is to rem- remember first that the person who got called up was the one who was laning. So that's the one reason, is that you want to be able to say the bracha and start laning immediately. Remember, whenever you do a mitzvah, you want to, whenever you say a bracha on doing a mitzvah, you want to do the mitzvah immediately. Um, so that's the one reason. And the Mishabruk is another reason, is that you say, you're saying the bracha on where you're laying. So that you're saying the bracha, oh, I'm saying the bracha on this piece of Torah that I'm going to be laying, or this piece of Torah that's going to be laying. So that's why you must see. I mean, interesting to think about, maybe we'll discuss it a little bit more further, but um, what happens if he shows you the wrong place? That happens. You go to the Balkara, you ask him where your Aliyah is starting, he points to the place, you say the bracha, and then you open it and he starts two paragraphs later, or two paragraphs earlier. What do you do? Maybe we'll come back to that. But the Gemara asks, my time at Rebbe Meir, what's the source of Rebbe Meir? I, that you close the Sefer Torah before you say Birchas Torah. So could Ula, like Ula said, to Omar Ula, why does it say one who's reading in the Torah should not help the one who's translating? So that no one says or assumes that some of the translation is written in the Torah. Remember, the Torah has to be written with great precision, and you're not allowed to add in words. And also, if people are, if if the one laning is telling the maturgaman what to say, then people are going to think some of it might be written in the Torah. So Sachanami can so so to hear with the bracha kadesh lo yomru birchas ksuvim. The Torah, the brachas are written into the Torah. If you think about it, it actually could be quite convenient. And before each aliyah, you just write the brachas into the Sefer Torah. So he opens it, he reads the bracha, and he carries on. So no, we don't want people to think that the brachas are written in the Torah. So he closes the Sefer Torah before he says the bracha. The Rebbe Yehuda, oh, that's a very good reason. So why does Rebbe Yehuda say you don't have to close the Sefer Torah before saying birchas the Torah? So Targum No. Regarding the translation of the Torah, people might get confused. I guess the Aramaic and the Hebrew are similar. So you might think that some of the words that he's saying are actually from the Torah. But the brachas, everyone knows that the brachas you're saying on Birchas Torah are not in the Torah, so you don't have that concern. Um Yeah, Rabbi Zaira says in the name of Ramasna, the halacha is that you um, open it, you look where you're going to lane from, you say the bracha, and then you lane. You don't have to close it. Um, so this is so why not just say the halachas like Rabbi Yehuda? Why tell me what to do? Because there were people who had Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Meir switched around. So it doesn't matter which the opinion, it doesn't matter who, which opinion you're following, the halacha is that you don't have to close the Sefer Torah when you're saying the opening bracha. Um, Tosos add in here, let me just quickly find it.
Yeah, it's actually towards the end of this Tosfos Golala. Um, if you look about two thirds into it, he says So you get called up. You open the Torah to where you're going to read. Where you're going to read from the Kaira Kohen. You call up the Kohen. And he rolls it for soisma kaidem sheyavarech and closes it before he says the bracha. Kadeisha lo yomer hamon shehabrachos ksuvos bos so that people don't get confused and think that the brachos are written there. Avo b'diyevet ein lochos, but b'diyevet if he didn't roll it close, you don't have to worry. Sharei lo shchichi ame aretz kol kach ato because it's not so common that people would make this mistake. Especially he says nowadays they're not people who are to such a level of. Ignoramus is that they would think that the brachas are written in the Torah. So that's Tosfos's halacha regarding before. He says it's better to roll it closed before you say birchas Torah, but if you don't, it's fine. After reading Aliyah, you should definitely roll it closed before you say the bracha. Yehuda, or as we said, it's not so clear, but it should probably be. Um, Afilu the Rebbe Yehuda, because even like um, even Rebbe Yehuda would hold this. Because again, remember, you're going to roll the Sefer Torah closed between the Aliyahs anyway, because you're going to roll it closed, call out the next person. So once you're going to roll the Sefer Torah closed, um, I say what? Yeah, once you're going to roll it closed anyway, then what's the point of? Saying your, even though it's only a minor concern that someone will think the brachos are in the Sefer Torah, you can eliminate that concern again without any added bother to the community or anyone because you, um, because it's going to be closed anyway. Unlike when you're starting to lay, and if you roll it closed, that's another second, then they have to open it and they have to find the place again. So it does add on a little bit of time. So that's why you might not roll it or properly or completely when you start in Aliyah. But at the end of your aliyah, you should definitely close it before you say the bracha. Um, I think nowadays it's it's often very simple to roll it, at least loosely closed. And that's what it seems most people do. They do close the Sefer Torah, then they say the opening bracha, then they open it and start the laning. Okay, Omar Abizaira, Omar Amasna, Halukhais Vaha. Bimos ain't by Mishum Kedusha. The Luchos and the Bimos do not have Kedusha. What's that referring to? So firstly, interesting enough, the Rosh adds, um, it says, they don't have Kedusha of Tashmishay Kedusha. I remember Tashmishay Kedusha are things that assist actual holy items. We said like the actual the cloth that the Sefer Torah is wrapped in, the tefillin straps, these are things that are used for, that's a very high level of Kedusha, um, but the Luchas and the Bimas, whatever we're referring to, do not have Kedusha of the Bima, but they do have Kedusha of the Shul. That's what the Rosh adds in. So now just what are they? So the Luchas, what's that referring to? So Rashi says he's actually not sure. He says he's not sure what the Luchas are, but he has heard some people explain it as the covers that they would put over books. A very similar to what we would call the book cover. Seems they remember primarily they had scrolls, but at some point they started using like our books, which have pages. So you have a board on top of the pages and a board at the bottom of the pages, either book cover. He says that's what we're referring to um, when we say luchos. 
again, the problem with that, the Ritva asks is, then they probably touch Mishay Kedusha. They, they use directly with something that is holy. Um, which, before we get on to the, uh, the, yeah, the Ritva's explanation, therefore, is um, it's actually the stand that the Balkora or the Maturgaman or someone stands on. You might think they have holiness because they uh, because they're, you stand on them specifically for laving or you stand on them specifically when you're translating the Torah. So he says, no, they don't have spe- special holiness and that would now fit in, I think, well with the, the text of the Rosh. They have the same holiness as the rest of the Shul. Um, interesting enough, I was thinking this is what is something to consider? So firstly, we know a Sefer Torah is the holiest of holies. And that's obviously a Sefer Torah written um, correctly and written with the correct kavonas. When you write Hashem's name, the Sefer is supposed to have the correct intention. So that's the holiest of holiest. We saw less holy than that would be when they used to have um, what they called Chumashim. That was, again, very similar to a Sefer Torah, all on parchment, rolled up etc. But it was just one of the five books of the Torah. So a specific, a beratious, a deforum, etc. That was called the Chumash, less holy. Um, then I'm not sure where it fits in, but what Rashi seems to be speaking about, again, handwritten, but by pages, not a scroll anymore, pages. And then one level down from that that you have to ask about is what about our books, which are printed? When a, a printer doesn't have any kavon, it doesn't have any intent when it's printing out the pages that it's printing a holy chumash or that it's printing a regular mass textbook or that it's printing a Gomorrah or it's printing a, 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 a novel. The, the printer doesn't know the difference. So firstly, often with machinery, we say that the person who's pressing the start, who's initiating the machine, he has the intent. Like that's how we rely on baking matzahs. Matters have to be made lishmor. So the person who starts the machine says he's doing it the same matter. So that could be that they still get Kedusha. We do generally assume that they have Kedusha, especially if they've been used. And that's why we are very careful. And it's important to be careful with us for him that you show them respect. It's something that many people seem lapse on, but you have to be careful. We keep them... We make sure to keep them neatly. You don't, uh, um, you know, just throw them around. You leave them, you don't put them with the cover down. You leave them with the cover up. You treat your foreign respect. You often see people that come into shul and they put down their safe, their gomorrah that they're going to use and their siddur. And then they put their car keys on their, and their cell phone on their gomorrah, on their safer. That's not respectful to the safer. Be careful what you put on it. Some are even strict and say, just as we careful, if you were piling up a safer Torah with a safer Nevi'im and with Chumashim, you've got to be careful which order. So too, when you're stacking your books, it should be a Chumash on the top, then maybe a Siddur, then a Gomorrah, or a Siddur and Gomorrah could be equal. But you've got to be careful that the order that you pile your books up even. I don't know if that's essential to worry about, but the many, many people are worried about that. They're very particular. My father's very careful with covets for him, but he's very particular that when he's piling, using a pile of books that they piled in a level of holiness, a chumash at top, then a Naviim, then a Mishnah, etc. Um, so that, that's just a side point that we touched on when we mentioned Luchos. Okay, and then what's a Bima? Oh, oh, one final interesting explanation of what the Luchos is. 
this uh, Tosos bring, Tosos actually re- refuted, but I saw on our page the Rach also brings it, is, you know, the Sefer Torah has margins. It has between the columns of writing, there's blank parchment. And on top of the columns, and at the bottom of the columns, there's black parchment. So Tosos says, if that parchment is cut off, it doesn't have Kedusha. Tosos, based on other Gomorrahs, finds that very difficult. But that is the Pshat and the Rach. Another thing, the Luchos is referring to the parchment around the text that when cut off doesn't have Kedusha. That's an interesting one of, again, what the Luchos mean. And, and then, what's a Bima? So some say this is a special platform. For example, when the king reads Hakel on Purim, that he stands on. Okay, let's go on to the next teaching. Um... Omer Rabbi Shafatio, Omer Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Shafatio said, "Neimu Rabbi Yochanan, Hakoylo Sefer Torah, Tzorish Sheyamidenu Alatfar." When you are rolling the Sefer Torah, you must be careful to position it by the seam. Um, that is various reasons, but I think the main one is that's where the tension is, where you're tightening it, and there's the parchment between the two rolls that you're tightening it. That's where the tension is. So rather have a seam there, so that if it does tear chas for shalom, it will tear along the seam and you can sew it back together. As opposed to if it's in the middle of one, remember the, the Sefer Torah is made of many parchments stitched together. So, But if it's in the middle of one of those and it tears, it can cause it's a much bigger problem. Um, I know they say, especially also when you're doing hagba, often there's a lot of strain. So make sure that when you are doing hagba, that between the columns, there's a seam. So roll the Sefer Torah a little bit till you see a seam, and that's when you should do Hagba. He says, Rabbi um, Shafatya says, in the name of Rabbi Yochanan, when you're rolling the Sefer Torah, roll it from the outside and not from the inside. And he says, when you are tightening it, then you tighten it from the outside and not from the inside. How Rashi seems to explain it is kind of someone who's doing glila by themselves. So what they're going to do, or they want to adjust where they're rolling the Sefer Torah to. So you're going to put it, the two scrolls on your lap, perpendicular to your body, the two sides of the Sefer Torah, and you're going to be rolling out and then twist in. Rolling out and then twist in. So you must roll from the outside, because if you are going to be pulling on the parchment that's closer to you, you're going to cause the the part of the scroll that's outside to roll off your lap, which is disrespectful. So that's why you roll it. But when you're tightening it, then you can tighten it from the inside. And it's important, Rashi brings, to tighten it from the inside so that everyone can see, um, and so that everyone can see uh, see the, the text, the, the writing, while you're tightening it. So when you've got it to the right place that you want to roll it, then you hold your hands close to you, eye on the scroll that's inside, and roll it, as opposed to lean over the text and, roll, and tighten it, because then you're blocking the text from the, the, the writing, from everyone seeing it. Another pshat that Tosos bring from the Rach is, and maybe we'll quickly do this Tosos now, just because it's interesting, um, he says, no, what it's referring to is um, um, when you're tightening the Torah, when you're tying the Torah, so you always tie it that the, that the tie or the clip or the knot is on the inside of the Torah. What do you mean on the inside? 
where, where you can see it like we do. I'm sure you've seen when you do glilla. So it's always confusing for people with the first time they do glilla. They want to tie it or fasten it with the fastening facing them. But you actually want to do it on the inside. And one of the reasons for that is because imagine the next day when you want to take the, the belt off the Sefer Torah, you're going to have to put it face down on the bimah, untie it, and then turn it the right way. That's disrespectful. So always be careful to tie the Sefer Torah on the inside. That's what the Rach says. Um, and that's what Tosas bring. Um, just interesting, once, once we're in this Tosas and we've done most of it, it's again the same Tosas Golala. So let's just read the Rach that we've done quickly inside. It says, Perush Rach, the Koya Keshe He's going on tying the cloth. When you tie the cloths around the Sefer Torah. I think we call it a gartel. You must tie it on the inside eye, which would be closer to the, on the same side as the text. If you tie it on the outside, when you open the Sefer Torah, you're going to have to put it face down on the text and untie it. And this is not respectful. You know, like we explained. Then he brings an interesting, we don't do it the exact same, some of it says, When we take out the Sefer Torah, we say Psukim to do with Hashem's mercy, to do with the Torah. It says, Torah Hashem The Torah of Hashem is perfect. It's testimony of the reliability of Hashem, the laws of Hashem are upright and they bring joy. This is mitzvahs Hashem borrow lefisha matan scharam betzidom. Okay, and uh, mitzvahs Hashem borrow because it, it describes the praise for them. For and afterwards you say this one, we're familiar with Gadlu. Gadlu Hashem That we do say. The others, I don't know, well, we don't have the minak to say. And he says, why do we say that? Sheish shall um, that corresponds, it has six words, and that corresponds to the six, I think it means six people who would carry the Aaron. But I don't remember, I'm not sure, six Tz'adim. I meant to look it up, but I'm not sure what the Tz'adim. Umem tevos shel betoiras Hashem temima, keneged hamem yom shebehem nisna Torah. And the Pasuk Torah Hashem temima has 40 words. Which or 40 letters, which corresponds to or 40, um, corresponds to the 40 days of the giving of the Torah. Okay, and then and then he goes on to describing what we started with the top of the page, that you open it, you look where you're going to read, you close it, you say the bracha, and then you open it and lane from the Torah. But just interesting, Tosos pop in with the minag to say psukim when you're taking out the Sefer Torah to do with the reward and the specialness of the Sefer Torah. Okay, carrying on. Rabbi Shafatya said in the name of Rabbi Yochanan, when you have 10 people reading from the Sefer Torah, the greatest one must do glila. Interesting, we always give glila to the child. To the youngest in the shul, he says, it should be the greatest person. Because the elder... One who does gila takes a reward for all of them. Like Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi says, I saw a shakoru b'toyra, ha-goylel sefer Torah, kibbul schar kulam, he receives the reward of all of them. What he receives, you had seven people laying from the Torah and he receives their reward for laying. He says, no, ele eimah kibbul schar kulam. Rather read it as he receives the schar equal to all of them. So the one who does glila receives the reward, reward equal to all of them. Um, first point is 
there's a different discussion nowadays. Some say that this Glila refers to the, both Hagba and Glila. The Mishabura seems to say that it refers actually to what we call Hagba. So a bit of bait, which is the Chosh of Aliyah of them? Is it Hagba or is it Glila? I know in Yeshiva Gedola, they, when, when I was a Bochot, I remember they used to be quite careful generally giving Hagba and Glila to Chosh people, the same sort of people they would give in a regular Aliyah to, not specifically to the, not specifically giving it to uh, youngsters like in many places, and that is because of this concept. Why is it um, the greatest honor? So, I mean, so Tosa say, I mean, Tosa say, why do you give it to the greatest? Because, it's, as we said, it's the greatest honor, and therefore it's fitting that you give it, or the greatest reward, therefore it's fitting you give it to the most uh, pre- the preeminent person in the congregation. Um, reasons for this, I heard, is um, most people view the aliyahs as more valuable. So Glila would be treated as like a, you know, a remnant, something not so important. So the person who takes on himself to do Glila deserves an aspect of reward equal to all the other people who wouldn't take on this mitzvah. Okay, how do we know that once we're mentioning him, we're going to mention another teacher? How do we know that you're allowed to use a baskol? A baskol, remember, is some sort of prophecy, some sort of divine inspiration where you hear a heavenly voice. It seems not a clear heavenly voice, not directly from heaven, but uh, secondary, an echo almost telling you something from heaven. So how do you know you're allowed to rely on that? Your ears heard from behind you some telling you what to do. This is where the voice is a male voice in the town and a female voice in the fields outside of town. And this is specifically where it reiterates, yes, yes, you should do it, or no, no, don't do it, because um, the Marshall explains, because it has a kind of a double expression, kind of has the language of an oath, so therefore it's authoritative and reliable. Not sure exactly what it means, but I guess someone's not sure, should I enter this business deal? And you hear a voice in your mind saying, yes, yes, do it, or no, no, don't do that business deal? then uh, you, you're allowed to follow the bus call. I was thinking uh, something to consider. We might have, I think we discussed it in Masech HaShavos a little. How do you know that you're not going insane? Hearing a voice in your head, a voice from behind you telling you, go do this. How do you know that you're not going uh, going uh, insane? Okay, something to consider. For Omer If someone reads Torah without a pleasant voice, Rashi says without the tune, the trop, or he learns Mishnah without a song. The, tar, the Pasuk says regarding him, It's as if I've given you rules which are not good. The Torah is not good and doesn't bring life. And Because someone doesn't have a nice voice. The, the person just can't. He doesn't have a good voice. He can't keep in tune. So what? He's got the end of the Pasuk. He's going to have laws that he can't live by. Crispa, you're going to apply that to him. You have to explain the Pasuk as Rav Masharsha says. If you have two Tamilei Chachomim living in one city, and they're not prepared to discuss Halacha with each other, to work together in Halacha, this is when we say, I've given you laws that are not good and rules that will not bring you, bring life. Um, so very interesting. Again, it seems in the general concept behind this is to uncover the Torah, to appreciate and to get to the depths and make sure that you 
learning it upright and correctly, there has to be debate and discussion. So if you have two Tamirei Chachomim in the city, and each one's too stubborn to go and uh, consult the other one, it's, uh, he can miss out. And if you think about it, a lot of, I mean, obviously there's simple halachas, you can just look in the Mishburah, or Google it even, or check in a, um, there are many compendiums of halachas, those are for simple halachas, but when issues get more complex, you're drawing sources from all over Shas, from all over Shulchan Aruch. Um, Just trying to remember, we had one the other day. It was phenomenally um, strange. Sunday's stuff. Okay, hopefully it will come to me. But you're drawing on sugyas from all over Shatz and from and Shulchan Aruch, drawing from different pieces all over Shulchan Aruch. It's very easy if you don't have the discussion that you might forget one of those, or you'll be following the wrong path of how to approach that question. So it's very important to have discussion and, um, and debate regard to try and cover and analyze it together to try and cover the Torah. Anyone who holds a Sefer Torah naked will be buried naked. You think it means naked? Um, sorry, before we get there, what does it mean? It means Barehanded. Obviously, you're not going to be holding the Sefer Torah if you're not wearing any clothes. But it means touching the parchment with barehanded. I don't know if you've noticed. That's why the Lena has a um, has a yad to point with, not with his finger, because you don't want to touch it barehanded. Um, you've seen when they do glile, if they need to adjust the scroll, you try to use your talus or something else to handle it. You try as hard. Obviously, there's times where you have to hold the parchment. You're sewing it together, or you need to uh, adjust something and you can't use the intermediary, then you have to. But in general, you try not to hold the Sefer Torah with your hands. I guess on a simple level, it's disrespectful because hands, you know, they're greasy, they could be dirty. Um, and I think it's also a level of familiarity that we've got to re- realize. This is the Sefer Torah. Um, so you can't hold it, but you'll get buried naked. So it says, Orem Sankhtani, you think it means literally you'll be buried naked. Some, uh, you spotted someone in shul, um, holding the Sefer Torah by the, holding the parchment by the hand, you're going to write to Hebra Kaddish and remind them to bury this person naked. That can't be what it means. No, Ela Ema Nikvar Orum Below Mitzvahs. It means he'll be buried without any mitzvahs. Below Mitzvahs, what do you mean? Someone who touches the parchment with their bare hands, okay, they shouldn't do it and it's disrespectful, but they're going to be buried without mitzvahs. Says no, Ella Omar Abai Abai explained Nikvar Orum Bela Oisa Mitzvah. He loses out on that mitzvah. Tosfos explained doesn't mean the mitzvah of like glila or something that he was doing because obviously if you do a mitzvah in an incorrect way, there's a good ch- in a disrespectful way, there's a good chance that you'd lose that mitzvah. That makes sense. So what's the novelty? So you were doing glila but you did it in a disrespectful way. Obviously you're not going to get the merit for doing glila. So what does it mean? So Tosfos say no, it means the mitzvah you're doing at that time. So for example. Um, if he was laning and he was holding the parchment, so there's the mitzvah of laning and there's the disrespect of holding the parchment, he loses the mitzvah of laning. He loses the mitzvah he was doing at the time while holding the parchment. In the son of Rebiyana, Saba, the elder said, Mishmei de Rebiyana, Rabba, in the name of Rebiyana, the great, Mutav Tigla Lamatech of Al Yigal Sefer Torah. Rather roll the cloths and don't roll the Sefer Torah. I'm not sure. I, I don't understand exactly what it means. But I think it's saying sometimes that you might have a way to adjust. I, th- I think like let's say you want to adjust the the uh, the 
cloth that you wrap the Sefer Torah in. Don't like wobble, uh, wriggle the Sefer Torah so that it falls down correctly. Rather, um, wiggle the cloth so that it falls down correctly. Something like that. Then it says, last point from the Mishnah, this is where the Mishnah said that you do the correct laning to do it that day. So on a Yom Tov, you'll lane the laning to do with that Yom Tov, etc. It says, Moshe spoke about the Moadim of Hashem to Bnei Israel. So he says, Mitzvah son shiyu koyno son kol echod be'echod bizmano. And he's tell, it's telling us that there's a mitzvah to read about each. Pasha in its time. Ton Rabbonah, we learned in the Bible. So Moshe tikkun lahem li'yisrael shiyu shalim v'dorshim b'inyona shel yom. Moshe instituted that, the whole of that Bnei Israel should discuss, ask and debate the matters of that day on that day. So Hilchus Pesach with Pesach, you should discuss the laws of Pesach on Pesach and Hilchus Ateris Bateris, Hilchus Chag and the laws of Sukkot on Sukkot and the laws of Shvuas on Shvuas, sorry, Shvuas on Shvuas and Sukkot on Sukkot. Now just two points on this. Rashi explains that um, this whole Pasuk is irrelevant. That's how we can make the drosha. What do you mean Moshe told Bnei Israel about the festivals? We've He's already spoken to us the festivals and was this the only mitzvah that Moshe told us about? Not any others that it emphasizes that and Moshe told us about the festivals. It says no, it was. so it's this gezeira. Moshe told us to speak about the festivals on the festivals. And then another interesting question that, the, that many ask is... Uh, but wait, didn't we see earlier in the Masech that it comes up a few times that you start Dorshim Bepesach you start discussing Pesach 30 days before Pesach. So the one answer Tosos give is um, so it wasn't Tosos no, I thought it was Tosos okay, I'm not sure not sure where I saw it um, but the one answer given is uh, is that So now it's left online. Oh, is that the one is if the discussion comes up, then the rabbi has to address it. He can't say, look, we'll deal with it another time. He has to address it if it's 30 days before. But to actually initiate the discussion, that's a special mitzvah on the festivals. Others want to say, you might have thought, once you've prepared for the festival for the last 30 days, then you don't have to discuss it anymore. And uh, others, um, just a nice two. Um, um, a nice idea on this is that one is what about Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur? Why don't we discuss Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur? It says the laws of Pesach on Pesach, the laws of Shvuas on Shvuas, and the laws of Sukkot on Sukkot. What about the laws of Rosh Hashanah on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur on Yom Kippur? It says no, because what's the primary halachas of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur? Tshuva. And that's actually relevant. That's something that's relevant to discuss the whole year around doing repentance. So we're not going to isolate it and focus it on the on those days. Now just to end off our peric, if you look at um, Tosus um, Rashi, just going to go from the, it's right at the end of the column, I'm going to go from the fifth last line, Moshe spoke and learned with Bnei Yisrael the festivals, each more each festival in its right time. To teach them to make known them the laws of Hashem and His Torah, the Kiblu, and they'll accept it, the Kiblu, the Kiblu, the and they will, I guess they'll get to receive this, and do the mitzvahs, and receive reward, for them on their sons, now and what's coming, so what's Rashi adding, so I heard, um, one shot I heard is that, it's saying that, it's one of the ways to make sure that your children, that in the future your children will be 
keeping the festivals and knowing these halachas is on Shabbos. Speak about Shabbos. Speak about the beauty of Shabbos. Discuss the halachas of Shabbos. On Pesach, speak about the beauty of Pesach, the specialness of Pesach. So that's what he's saying. Bazel um, Vavoy is emphasizing that this is one of the ways to perpetuate um, the Torah and uh, the Jews' um, attachment to it. Okay.